WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Scientists estimate that we've only discovered 1% of all fungal species. To tell us more about their research on fungi, we're here talking to Alyssa Ball. Thanks for joining us today, Alyssa. May you please tell us more about your research with fungi? Of course. Thanks for having me. So yeah, like you said, we know very little about fungal species on our planet. That includes in the ocean, on the surface of the earth, as well as deep within the layers of rock. We're working to taxonify, which means we're trying to name all of the different species and distinguish all of their different genetics right now. It's nice to meet you, Alyssa. It was really interesting to learn that we only really know 1% of the fungi that exist out there. But really quickly, what's the difference between fungi and animals and plants? So fungi are very different from animals and plants as well as bacteria. They're their own kingdom. Fungi include mold, yeasts, as well as what we know as mushrooms. So the mushrooms are actually the edible fruiting body of mycelium, which is what fungi is made up of. So mycelium and fungi, they're very different due to the way that they process things. For example, they use enzymes very similar to animals and us humans to break down their foods but they do that on the outside. They do it extracellularly. So unlike plants that take things in and have internal photosynthesis, mushrooms, fungi, molds, and yeasts, those will be secreting things to allow them to break down nutrients in our soil, in the water, and generally in the environment. That's really cool. I didn't actually realize that molds were a part of the fungi kingdom. So you briefly mentioned that you all were trying to characterize these fungi based on their genetic characteristics. What are you specifically trying to do with that and how? So we want to understand the genetics of different fungi, specifically because we think they can be used for remediation of a lot of contamination that we've got going on right now, specifically heavy metals, PFAS, and other chemicals of concern. So by identifying fungal species, giving them species names, knowing their genetics, we can then test them to see if they are useful at breaking down molecules that are stubborn to break down and contaminate our earth. Oh, so heavy metal like the music? I wish. Nah, I'm kidding. But in all seriousness, are there places that need to be cleaned up from heavy metal contamination? Yes, there are actually tons of sites that are contaminated with heavy metals. Almost all of the industries that we use and participate in, from manufacturing of plastics to fabrics to dyes, include the use of heavy metals. Therefore, they get dumped into our environment afterwards. A lot of these sites are what we refer to as Superfund sites or Brownsfield sites, Those have been classified by federal agencies as sites that are deemed unsafe for people to live on or grow food on and are in need of immediate remediation. We actually recently had an episode about PFAS. 
And regarding whether it's PFAS or even heavy metals, whenever the fungi absorb it, do they necessarily break it down or do they just keep it there? I'm wondering this because what happens whenever they degrade? Wouldn't the heavy metals or the PFAS just end up back in the earth? You have a really great point there. In some instances, you could think yes. But the cool thing about fungi is the way they interact with metals. They have an ability to deionize metals into an elemental form or a form that is not toxic. Metals can be charged, which make them more reactive. When something is more reactive, you can sort of think of it as being more dangerous. So what the fungi do are able to change the elemental form of the metal so that it is more usable by plants and less toxic to humans, which makes fungi a great candidate for remediation. Bacteria have also been shown to do this, which is where we got the idea from originally to look at fungi. But bacteria don't have as many interesting capabilities as fungi do specifically the enzymes that they use to change these metals into less toxic forms. It's really interesting. It kind of mixes the field of physical chemistry as well as biology. However, what are the differences between the mechanisms when a fungi is dealing with heavy metals versus something organic like PFAS, for example? Is it easier for fungi to deal with one versus the other? Interesting question. We are just starting to research PFAS, so it's a difficult question to answer whether fungi are better at taking up PFAS or heavy metals. Heavy metals, though, show a lot of promise due to the fungi's capability to actually change the charge of the metal. So because fungi use their enzymes to change the pH, so the acidity or the basicness of the soil around them, they are able to manipulate the metals much easier than they are able to break the bonds in a PFAS compound. PFAS are fluorinated compounds. They're a fluorine attached to a carbon, and it is a very strong bond to break. So it takes a lot of energy. Fungi, though, possibly could have those capabilities with their enzymes with future research, which is why we're interested. Whenever I picture fungi growing, I think of it growing like in a forest under some shaded tree. However, these heavy metals and PFAS are not only in those environments. What types of fungi are you growing and what kinds of environments can they thrive in? That's a great question, actually. The main species of fungi that we are looking at is called Aspergillus. There is a lot of previous research on this species, so we think it has a lot of promise. But as I previously mentioned, we have made great progress in identifying new species, so we are also testing those as well. Another good point you made was that contamination is not limited to ideal environments where fungi are usually found. That is the other amazing thing about fungi. They are incredibly diverse And we have found them on almost every surface across the earth. Fungi are found in streams, in lakes, in small ponds, in ditches, as well as throughout our soil, on trees, and on rocks. So we approached this by looking for fungi from extreme locations. In our case, we collected fungi from a contaminated copper mine. 
hoping to find fungi that were already very tolerant to high levels of copper. Species like this are called extremophiles, and they're very useful when trying to combat issues of remediation or new issues that come up in our everyday lives. So it sounds like this project has really started in two different areas, but you're all going towards the same direction, trying to understand the diversity of the different fungi that exist. I could understand why one would want to just start with fungi that are already found in an environment that you're interested in cleaning up, but then what's the motivation of starting from the opposite direction where you're just trying to codify the genome sequences for all of these different fungi? That's a really great question, actually. So the importance of identifying and giving names to all the fungi allows us to do more specific research on each species. A lot of fungi are symbiotic with plants as well as the microbiome that they are within, and they're a very integral part of that. So being able to know what species we're exactly working with gives us a great starting point if we wanted to use those genetics in any other type of way, such as CRISPR or some other kind of biological engineering. Now, when you say biological engineering, would you be able to maybe edit these fungi to grow in, for example, cold environments or all throughout the year and to do what you'd really want it to do? Correct. In a nutshell, by understanding what the genes are at play, we can sort of build our own organism that might be perfect for the job, making tackling very diversely contaminated areas areas that have many different types of contaminants that are not compatible with one treatment method. This means that we might be able to create a new method to handle specific environments. When it comes to the fungi that you're working with, have there been any genes that have been identified whenever you're doing your DNA analysis that help the fungi deal with these either heavy metals or organic molecules? Yes, that's actually a good point. Some of these genes that fungi are using code for different enzymes that they're using. These enzymes are essentially different types of saliva that the fungi are using to break down very complex molecules. One of those molecules is lignin. This is what trees are made of. It's a very difficult molecule to break down. So by searching through fungi that have these genes that are able to break down difficult molecules, that is a hint to us that other fungi that have these genes may also be able to break down difficult molecules. Now, I know that you mentioned that you all have fungi from copper mines. Is this just one type of fungi that you have, or do you have several types maybe from various areas? Yes, that's a great question to ask. We actually found 15 different types of fungi at the contaminated copper mine that we went to. We are also using five other types of fungi found throughout Michigan at Superfund site that are contaminated with high amounts of heavy metals. A big reason why this topic is interesting for me is because I often think about how bacteria have been proposed to be used for dealing with radioactive waste. Uranium being a heavy metal itself and the fission products that get released as well whenever nuclear energy is being operated, radioactive waste has been a big concern when it comes to how do you deal with it once the nuclear fuel rods have been depleted. 
And I'm curious if the radioactivity with these associated heavy metals could impact how the fungi are able to deal with it. Has your lab looked at that or considered it? Yes, actually, we started thinking about radioactivity. We actually started with the idea of radioactivity in mind. The Chernobyl nuclear plant, a very known nuclear operating plant that had a devastating explosion, is one of the biggest destruction sites for nuclear radiation. Mushrooms were discovered there in 1991, actually, where they were fruiting out radioactive isotopes. These mushrooms were able to grow healthily in the soil. The mycelium was growing healthily, and then they were able to fruit out the radioactive waste. These are considered radiotrophic organisms, fungi and bacteria that feed off of the radiation and use that as energy. So in short, yes, fungi can also be an answer to cleaning up nuclear waste as well. We still in that case, though, need to have a final decontamination method for getting rid of the radioactive isotopes out of the mushrooms. Well, that's really exciting, Alyssa. Hopefully you all really could figure out a way to get those radioactive isotopes out of the fungi. Now to talk a little bit about yourself, you have so many different projects going on over here. What is your favorite part about working in this lab and on this particular topic that we've been discussing? I would definitely have to say that my favorite part has been my ability to collaborate with so many different parts of our university here. I've been able to work with four different labs, six different professors, nine undergrads, and at least 10 graduate and PhD students. This project has really given me the opportunity to see how real science takes place. It's given me an opportunity to make a real difference in the world, and it's been really exciting, most of all, to be able to connect all of these people and see how excited we all are to accomplish something at the end of the day. I completely resonate with that feeling. It's the reason why I study nuclear physics, because I want to help make a positive impact on the world around me, and I'm glad that we have people like you studying these kinds of things as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alyssa. It was really interesting to hear about your work. Thank you so much for having me. It is amazing to tell the world about fungi and all the amazing uses that we have for them. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science.